Hi, Mac from Mac's List here. Today's episode is brought to you by JobScan, the online tool that optimizes your resume and boosts your chances of landing an interview. JobScan also offers a 10% discount to our listeners. To learn more, visit jobscan.co slash dreamjob. Now, let's start the show. This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm your host, Mac Pritchard. I'm also the founder of MaxList. It's a job board in the Pacific Northwest that helps professionals find fulfilling careers. I believe that lifelong learning is the key to a successful career. And to get a better job, you need to learn the job hunting skills that will help you find the role of your dreams. That's why we're here today. Every week on Find Your Dream Job, I interview a different career expert. We discuss the tools and tactics you need to find the work you want. This week, I'm talking to Stephanie Smith about back-to-work strategies for stay-at-home parents. Stephanie Smith knows a lot about job hunting and parents. She leads a software company that creates custom resumes and cover letters. She also runs a meetup for moms who want to go back to the workplace. Stephanie says that if you're a parent returning to work, you need to start by investing in your career documents. That means writing a resume that explains your time at home and that also emphasizes your accomplishments during this period. A LinkedIn account, Stephanie adds, can be a very useful tool for a stay-at-home parent. Its publishing features, for example, can help you stay connected with industry leaders. But parents also need to network, Stephanie says, and they should recognize the value of the volunteer work done during a break. That kind of experience can be invaluable in any job search. Want to learn more? Listen in now at the MaxList studio as I interview Stephanie Smith about back-to-work strategies for stay-at-home parents. Stephanie Smith is the co-founder and chief operating officer of LivelyPath. It's a software company that customizes your resume and cover letter for any job application. Prior to LivelyPath, Stephanie created the concierge career services firm CareerMuse, and she ran recruiting programs for Amazon and other Fortune 500 clients. She joins us today from Seattle in Washington. Stephanie, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Mac. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Our topic today, as you know, Stephanie, is back-to-work strategies for stay-at-home parents. Let's start with the challenges that stay-at-home parents face when they're ready to uh, return to work full-time. What what are some of those challenges that uh, stay-at-home parents need to be aware of? So oftentimes, there is a lot of emotion around this transition back to work. And that can be from their own family. It can be from their own internal feelings of maybe feeling overwhelmed or anxious about this this big life change. Um, and so it's really, there's a lot of different factors that are going on for stay-at-home parents. And, you know, they've got 
situations beyond just being a stay-at-home parent. Maybe they're a single parent at home. So there's a lot of things going on in the head of a stay-at-home parent that they want to be considering and thinking about and working through. And I think it starts with really even having that dialogue with the individuals within their family and getting that getting that job search and that job hunt mentality going, not just internally, but with the people that are closest to them. Um, and that really starts to prompt a more open uh, positive feeling about what's happening in this this life change back to work. And how do you recommend parents approach those conversations that they should sit down with members of the family, but what kind of topics typically come up in those talks? Talks about, you know, how is this going to impact the schedule? Um, oftentimes, if you've got two parents, you've got one that might be working a normal schedule and how are, you know, the school schedule for children is not the same as a work schedule for a business professional. So how do you coordinate schedules like that? Um, I like to recommend really turning it onto a positive note too and talking about how this is going to benefit their children, how mom or dad is going to have that extra income so they can be doing those activities and, and things that they want to be doing but are somewhat limited right now because they have a single income. Um, and so really kind of turning a positive leaf with this and what this new change is going to bring about for the family, I, I feel is a great strategy at getting getting the family on board, getting the, the kids on board, but really ironing out how is the schedule going to work between the parents or how is the schedule going to work between the parents and their support system beyond that and and really nailing down how that looks so that they feel comfortable as they're starting to make that transition, whether it be into a full-time gig or something that's a little bit shorter. So pay attention to emotions and feelings uh, before you even think about set, sending out that first resume and, and the family schedules and the needs of everybody in the family. Yep, exactly. Another thing I like to recommend that they do, and it's part of that preparing, is really brainstorming what they've done in the past and, and starting to uh, think through, hey, it might have been years ago, but what were the things that I was doing day to day? And what were the things that I enjoyed about those things that I was doing? And so as you start to sit down and, and think about those things, you're getting your brain back into that go-to-work mentality. And uh, I like to recommend uh, questions that will get your viewers, your, your listeners into that brainstorming mode. Uh, one of the key ones is, you know, back when you were at work, what were some of the biggest differences that you made in those jobs that you had previously? Uh, so what, go ahead. Oh no, keep going. No, go ahead, Stephanie. Um, what, what challenges did you face on that job and what were the things that you did to address those challenges on the job that shows that you're a problem solver? This just gets your brain thinking through you know, how was it to be at work. For parents that aren't, uh, may not have been a career professional prior to uh, having a family, thinking through the things that they've been doing at, at their home. And uh, maybe outside of the home, maybe they've volunteered with the PTA. Maybe they've got volunteer gigs outside of the school 
committees that they're a part of, really thinking through, you know, holistically, what are those things that they have been doing in their work setting or in their current setting as a homekeeper? Okay. So reflect back and about your professional uh, accomplishments and past responsibilities and what you've been doing outside the home uh, while you've been a parent. I'm curious, Stephanie, what about employers? What concerns will they likely have about an application from a a stay-at-home parent? And and how might uh, listeners address those concerns? That's a great question, Mac. One of the things as a former recruiter that I would see in screening a lot of resumes is that you as a as a stay-at-home parent may have a gap in your resume. It may be a short one, it might be a longer one, but that's going to be uh, something that's going to come up on the employer side and something that they're going to be looking at. So what I recommend for parents that are transitioning back into work is really thinking through how they want to articulate that during the interview process as well as on their resume. Um, back to my recruiting days, you know, seeing a resume that didn't have any dates on it, we call them functional resumes. Those always set up a, you know, a red flag in my mind about what that person might have been doing. What are they trying to hide? Unfortunately, it's, uh, you know, they, they don't have the ability to tell that story to me directly. So how do they articulate that on paper? And what I recommend doing is just being mindful of that gap Chronological resumes and combination resumes are the best types of resumes to put together. And as you're going through and and maybe you've got that gap that you're not sure how to fill in, be honest about that gap, that you were a stay-at-home parent. But back to those brainstorming questions that we were talking about earlier, what are some things that you can add in? Because as a parent, you are developing skills. You're managing budgets, you're managing the billing process, you're managing schedules across a number of different youngsters. So there's a lot of things that you can be adding to build in that experience, not just on your resume, but what are you going to be talking about with employers when you are going into those interviews or those informational sessions? and how are you communicating the things that you've been doing over the last six months, 12 months, few years, okay. et cetera? Well, well, let's talk about that because I, I know from our earlier conversation, you're a big believer in getting, uh, once you've had those conversations and you're ready to start a search, uh, getting those basic career documents in order. And when I'm uh, curious, when you were a recruiter in particular and you saw resumes from stay-at-home parents, who described those gaps, uh, what they did while they were raising a family. Can you share with us some uh, especially persuasive examples or or common elements that they might have had that listeners can use uh, to apply to their own resumes? Yeah. that. Um, so one example that would come to mind would be if you were involved in say, uh, a charity. And so if you were involved in any of the fundraising efforts, you could talk about what your specific contributions were for that fundraising uh, initiative, how much you were able to raise. Maybe it wasn't just you as on your own. It was uh, people collectively, but you could say you contributed to uh, 100000 
dollars that went to a specific program, a specific cause that you're aligned with. And maybe that was 10% more, 20% more than what they were able to do the previous year before you came in. Things like that are very good resume builders. And they're very good interview examples that point to not just what you were doing, but also specific numbers and data points that recruiters really like to see on your resume. So that is uh, just one example of how you could do... uh, how you could kind of craft a story about something that you were doing on the volunteer side. And what would you say, Stephanie, to listeners who might think, oh, ours was a, a small baseball league or... Or, or soccer league uh, or PTA, we only raised ten thousand, twenty five thousand uh, dollars. Does the amount uh, matter, or is it the the experience that counts? I think it uh, based on what your situation is. There's so many nuances. If it's something that's very small that you don't think is worthwhile to include on your resume because you've got some bigger things, you can always say, you know, you can always revert back to that you raised a significant amount, or you can look at that percentage amount growth between the year prior and the year that you were involved, or maybe it was over a multi-year span and talk about it in percentages versus dollar amounts. Let's talk about another important uh, career document other than a resume, and that's the LinkedIn account. How do you recommend stay-at-home parents who are ready to go back to work use LinkedIn? So I recommend that they they put together their profile um, concisely. They have a story to it. So LinkedIn is a great place. You've got a lot more space than you do on your resume to be able to tell your story and to add in the things that you are doing, not just from a work perspective, but the things that you're doing outside of work. The volunteer work that you're doing, the affiliations or associations that you're involved with. Um, So really take your LinkedIn profile and use that profile to uh, position yourself So if there are things that you're interested in, maybe you're looking at articles and finding some really great ones, you want to use that social network to your advantage. You can share that and post it with the people that are already in your LinkedIn group. If you don't have those individuals currently in your LinkedIn group, that's part of that prep process is really to look at, do an evaluation of where your network is right now and start adding to it. Um, And so one of the things that you want to do is have a profile that shows that you're active as well as a profile that has some content that is going to make you discoverable. LinkedIn is a place where you can use some human voice too. So some of the standards that we have in the resume world don't translate to LinkedIn. So feel free to use I in your summary and use that human voice to really evoke some more personal attributes about yourself. Okay. I want to pause there, Stephanie. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to draw out a little more about LinkedIn and online branding because I know you're a big believer in uh, the value of an online brand. Uh, And when we come back, uh, Stephanie Smith will share more advice about back-to-work strategies for stay-at-home parents. Thanks so much, Mac. I'm a big fan of writing a custom resume for every job. Here's why. A unique resume lets you describe your most relevant skills in the language that matters to each employer. 
and that can help you get past a company's applicant tracking system. But it takes time to do this. Fortunately, there's a tool that can help. JobScan compares your resume to a job description, and then it suggests keywords to make your application stand out. With JobScan, your resume is more likely to reach the hiring manager, and you're more likely to get the interviews and the job offers you want. JobScan offers a 10% discount to our listeners. To get it, go to jobscan.co slash dreamjob. Again, that's jobscan.co slash dreamjob. We're back in the MaxList studio. I'm talking with Stephanie Smith. She's the co-founder and chief operating officer of LivelyPath. It's a software company that customizes your resume and cover letter for any job application. Stephanie joins us today from Seattle, Washington. Now, Stephanie, before the break, we were talking about back-to-work strategies rather for stay-at-home parents. So we're talking about LinkedIn. And I, I loved your point about the difference in tone and voice between LinkedIn and resume. And I know this applies to all job seekers, not just stay-at-home parents. Um, tell me why you can be more informal on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a place where people are going to not just look at your profile and what you've done, but also to look at the articles that you're sharing, to look at the people that you're connected to. There's a lot of other variables and factors that happen online that you don't have available on your resume. Also, LinkedIn is a much more modern uh, type of (laughs) job profile. So when looking at resumes, there's a lot of stigma. And in some managers' minds, this is how it should look. So when they see a resume that has that, that human voice to it, it seems out of place. Whereas LinkedIn... That really has been the standard from the get-go. It's not an exact replica of your resume. Um, people do use a lot of uh, a lot of this language um, that um, you can't use on your resume, and so it's one really just the type of profile that people are used to seeing, and two, it's teeing it up just like a Facebook profile where you're engaging with people on a very a very human level where the resume doesn't capture that that type of experience. Any other tips about how to maintain a, a strong online brand, particularly when you're a, a stay-at-home parent and probably have a crazy schedule? Yeah, I, th- I, I would just recommend that they do the prep work up front before you're starting to add your new contacts. Do some of that brainstorming and get your LinkedIn profile looking like something that you're really confident to send out to your network, to uh, potential employers. So doing that prep work before you start engaging with your connections, they're going to see that best image of you when you're connecting with them versus having to tell them to possibly wait to pass along your profile until it's ready. So I recommend just trying to get all of those documents ready to go so you can go confidently into that search and so that the people in your network that are seeing your profile are going to be really excited to refer you to people that they know or the companies that they're working for. 
Well, let's talk about networks. And you know, as, as you know, parents often make really important connections with other moms and dads while they're raising children. And and while those are personal uh, relationships, those ties can be very valuable uh, during a job search, can't they, Stephanie? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I would add um, my colleague Ben Forstag, our managing director here at MaxList. He's the father of two children, and he does a lot of networking here at the company. And he says he's never seen a network more powerful than the um, parents' club he and his wife uh, joined when they had their first child. And it's uh, uh, his his wife in particular has found it to be invaluable in her own professional work. Do you hear stories like that in in your own work with your 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 meetup and and elsewhere in the community? One hundred percent. It really is. Uh, you know, your network is is not just the people that you're meeting and interacting with. It's the people that those individuals know, and so you want to look at it from a perspective of there's a lot of different degrees of connection within these relationships, and it might be you know, your former colleagues or clients that you worked with or your bosses, and those people can speak to uh, your pr- prior work. Or maybe now there's the people that you've been working with at the volunteer events you've been doing or your school committees or those parent groups. The parent groups I find to be really key because those individuals are going through that same experience at the same time as you. So you've got that connection to them based on that that shared experience of going back to work. Maybe they've done it before, um, but they themselves are going through it or have gone through it. And so they've got that relational point and they're going to be a lot more helpful for you because they know how hard it is. How I'd is, also like to say, ahead. you know, uh, neighbors, people from your church, friends, family, and then going out into different uh, association events, meetup groups, and expanding that network as well based on your interests and things that you may be wanting to learn more about. Well, how do you recommend, Stephanie, that stay-at-home parents make the most of those connections, particularly the ties they have with other parents uh, or, or parent groups? How do you see people do that effectively? So what I recommend doing is trying to take it outside of the parent group as well with the one-on-one connection. So say you're at a, a parent group and or you're contacting someone that you have met at a parent group, being able to set up a chat with them and, and really kind of explain to them what your situation is that you're looking to get back to work and and being very clear about what it is that you're looking for and and maybe it is a short-term gig right now while you're getting your feet wet into this whole transition process. Maybe it is getting back to the same thing that you were doing before. Being clear with those individuals about what what it is and how they can help you really does help steer them in the right direction. And then asking them during that that sit down that you have, maybe it's a ladies wine night or uh, lunch or coffee meeting that you set up with them. But have some discussions, pick their brain on what they've been doing before. And and you'll get to know a little bit more about their, their space 
then learn about the companies they've worked for and ask them if there's anyone else that they can introduce you to so that you can go beyond just them as part of your network, but start tapping into their network as well. In addition to the the parents groups, what would you advice would you have for listeners who might formerly have been involved in a an association in their profession and they've let that membership lapse while they focused on on raising a family? How do you recommend people get reconnected with groups like that? If their membership has lapsed, I'd say you know email email the organization, get that get that set back up, look at the different events that they have coming up. Um, look on LinkedIn and see who you are connected with in those groups. Perhaps you maybe don't have the funds to to sign up for that membership right now. Um, there are still individuals that are going to have this on their LinkedIn profile. So you can do some reverse searching for people that are involved in those organizations or even companies. Um, and sending a nice casual email, just asking to get something on the schedule. Um, so there's a number of ways to reconnect with those associations, but it's either you know getting right back in it or reconnecting with the individuals that you may have met when you were a part of it before. You mentioned uh, freelance work earlier. What are the benefits for a stay-at-home parent who is getting back into the workplace of, of doing freelance or, or part-time work? Yeah, so that's uh, one thing that can really help fill that gap and get get parents into that rhythm of getting back into the work life. Um, so one thing if they're looking to change careers is it's a great way for them to be able to get some exposure into um, some new avenues. Uh, perhaps it's something that gets them into their own pathway of being an entrepreneur and a business owner, which is, is something that I've seen happen to clients. Um, another thing that it does is it gets them recommendations and it helps them expand that network too. So they've got something that fills in their resume and someone that's going to be able to speak to that as well. So I think it benefits them from a lot of different angles, just getting their feet into the work work life, um, being able to try out some new things and being able to continue to make those connections that are critical. A final question, Stephanie. How do you recommend listeners find employers or companies that are going to value the experience that, that parents bring to the workplace when they come back to the office? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a number of different resources. Unfortunately, it is a topic that has been given a lot more attention lately than it has in the past, this uh, parents going back to work. So there's there are opportunities called returnships or even maternity ships, which are essentially internships for parents that are going back into the workforce. So bigger companies like Deloitte and IBM are starting to put together these programs where they actually bring parents in, have them work at some maybe full-time capacity, maybe 75%, and then they have the opportunity to get hired on permanently after that. So this is a great opportunity for people that are looking to get back into a larger company to look at those types of programs. There's other um, organizations like Reboot or iRelaunch or locally in Seattle, the Swing Shift. And they 
are programs that basically get parents set up from the job search perspective, from their career documents to how to interview effectively. And then they help match them with companies that are looking to hire people that are transitioning back from being stay-at-home parents. So those are some great resources. And then as parents are looking to uh, evaluate the types of opportunities, there's job boards too that they can look at that are tailored specifically to people in that situation. The mompproject.com is a great one. Power to fly. If they are looking for uh, something that's a little bit more flexible, work.com or work.co, work with an E, flexjobs and weworkremotely.com are some great places for them to get started too. Another one that I just recently found out about is momstamp.com. And that would be if they're interested in doing some gig work um, or if they're looking at someone that's being recommended by another parent or by, by another mom getting that stamp of approval. So it's kind of a marketplace for recommendations and opportunities for moms to get their feet wet again in the works in the workforce. Those are great recommendations. In fact, we've had Carol Fishman Cohen, who's the founder of iRelaunch on, on the show last year. And um, I've looked at her site and, and in addition to our conversation and she's doing great work. So thank you for that very detailed list. Stephanie, tell us what's next for you. So what's next for us is a, a lot of things. We are launching livelypath.com, which is a state-of-the-art resume and cover letter customizer that helps job seekers do all the tailoring that they need to do specific to the jobs that they're going after. Um, and so they can sign up for that by texting me, stay at home at 206-309-8883. And uh, for the listeners that are signing up, will be giving a 10% off discount for those that text me. And if they sign up during the month of February, we'll give them an extra 10%. That's a very generous offer. We'll include that phone number and, and the instructions in the show notes and on the website article as well. And I know, Stephanie, people can learn more about you and your company by visiting livelypath.com. That's lively like livelihood. Uh, Stephanie, thanks for being on the show today. My pleasure, Mac. It has been wonderful. And good luck to your listeners in this great transition that they're making. I wish them all the very, very best. Thank you. Take care. Stephanie touched on an idea that comes up a lot on this show. That's the power of networks. In this episode, she was talking about the power of parent groups, mommy and daddy groups, and how when people have a connection like that, particularly such a powerful experience that they share in common, it creates relationships that not only help you personally, but can benefit you professionally as well. And for me, I uh, we come back to this again and again on the show, how important it is uh, to pay attention to relationships and use them in a professional, respectful way. I also liked Stephanie's point about uh, getting your career documents in order. 
And especially when you're starting out your search, you want to make sure that those your resume, your LinkedIn profile, and your online presence help you put your best foot forward. You don't want to have your candidacy or your job search torpedoed by a simple error, particularly in your resume. So don't let that happen to you. Take advantage of our new free guide. Don't make these eight killer resume mistakes. I talk to hiring managers all the time. We have thousands of employers who post jobs on MaxList. And these employers tell me they see applicants make the same common mistakes again and again and again. Let me show you how to avoid these errors. Download Don't Make These Killer Eight Killer Resume Mistakes today. Go to maxlist.org slash resume mistakes. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Find Your Dream Job. And join us next Wednesday. Our guest expert will be Callie Rogers. She'll explain how to remain positive when you're unemployed. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job.